6, not verse 19. I think I said verse 19. Verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. We're going to put up James chapter 5 up on the screen. We're going to talk about prayer tonight. Uh, how many of you know that prayer changes things? And, um, you know, we've talked on this subject before. And, you know, this is one of those subjects that's it's very thought-provoking. Um, and it can be very convicting. <laughs> Not condemning, convicting. But we all know, we, answer the, we ask the question, could we pray more? We all know what the answer is, yes. And I do want to remind you that we have Wednesday morning prayer. You know, we used to do Sunday morning prayer. And uh, just to uh, the point of where our schedule is right now, we uh, moved our morning prayer to Wednesday morning prayer. Um, and like I've said before, this is the least amount of corporate prayer that we'll ever do. Once a week, uh, we'll add more and we'll uh, eventually grow um, in size. But I want to remind you, you know, Wednesday morning, we're here uh, 6 a.m., 6 to 7 a.m. praying corporately. It's obviously important that we pray individually, uh, but it is um, a great habit to get into to pray with your church body, your church family, praying out the vision of what this uh, church is to do and to accomplish um, I know down in St. Augustine, they're doing a thing this year called 365 prayer. And they're literally praying every single day of the week. The church is open from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., Monday through Saturday. And then they do their Sunday morning prayer, uh, you know, at the regular time. And there's a different pastor that opens up the church and people come and pray every single day of the week. Uh, but prayer is important and we know this. It's valuable. And it's not just valuable to us. It's valuable to God. Look at James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means makes something available. Makes what available? Makes power available. Prayer is powerful. There is power in prayer. And it says here that our prayers are effective. That means you can have an effect on something by praying for it or praying over it. And so as believers, as righteous men and women of God, we need to be in prayer. John Wesley said, it seems as if God can do nothing in the earth unless man prays. You know, I know it's a, it's a weird picture to think of God with his hands tied behind his back, but that's literally what we're doing when we don't pray. God needs you and I God works through you and I. God has always been using man and incorporating man in everything he's done in the earth. And prayer is what gets heaven accomplished in the earth today. And so we've got to understand uh, prayer, the value of prayer, the love of prayer, what prayer is, what is prayer. Prayer is simply communicating with God. But prayer is how we enact heaven in the earth. It's how we get this earth to look like heaven. I can pray over my body. I can pray healing into my body. So sickness that's of the earth and of the enemy, because the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, I can pray healing in what is bringing heaven into the realm of my body. I can pray over my mind. I can pray over my children. I can pray over my job. I can pray over my finances. I can pray over my friends and my family. And what am I doing? I'm praying so that what I'm praying about begins to look like heaven. This is why we pray. 
And so over in Matthew chapter 6, where you're at, we've all seen this. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. And this was not given to us by routine. This wasn't given to us as this is how you're supposed to pray every single time. This is what I call a prayer formula. A formula is simply an equation to get a result. If I want to get the result of four, I'm given a variable two, and I know that there's something else in the middle that's going to make it equal four. And so this is the formula to how we get results in prayer. We've said this before, that the reason we become discouraged, the reason why we quit doing something is because we don't get results. There's not many of, many of us in the room that keep doing stuff that don't prove themselves out. Why? Because we don't like to waste our time. Everybody in here value their time? I know you do. I know you do. So we don't want to waste our time doing something that doesn't have any results. We don't want to waste our time doing something that doesn't prove to be worthwhile, worth my time. And so many of us get discouraged in prayer simply because we don't get answers to prayer. But, you know, I believe that God hears us when we pray. His word tells me that. I can be confident that when I pray, he hears me every single time I pray. So, now it comes down to me or God. One of us is missing it. One of us is messing up. One of us is not getting the equation right. Well, I don't believe that God messes up. I don't believe that God ever has to backtrack and say, oh, well, I shouldn't have done that. Hold on. Where was I? No, he doesn't have to do that. So, there's something on our end in prayer that we've got to get some stuff together. Now, this isn't a full, uh, you know, t- teaching on the principles of prayer. There's so much to be said. There's a prayer of faith. You know, there's a prayer for healing. There's a prayer over sickness and disease. There's prayers for everything in life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you ever go through, it can be accomplished through prayer. It can be overcome through prayer, period. Um, but I want to look at the formula that Jesus Lays out, And so let's read over this passage, starting with verse 9, and we're going to go to verse 13. In this manner, therefore, pray. Manner means pattern. So pray according to this pattern. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, again, this is a pattern. This is a manner. So I believe each one of these lines outlines something that our prayers ought to be incorporating. Now, when we pray, you know, Paul says pray without ceasing. Ceasing means to quit. And quitting doesn't mean stop. Quitting means to shut down and remove. Pray without ceasing. You know, that bothers a lot of Christians because we're thinking, okay, 24 hours a day, how am I literally supposed to be praying 
for 24 hours all day long. And you've heard me explain this. How many of you went to work today? How many of you left work today? How many of you quit? See, we think that just because we stopped doing something, we quit. And Paul says you always want to remain in an attitude of prayer. In essence, he's saying keep prayer part of your daily routine. You have a daily routine of going to your job. You have a daily routine of going to an assigned place. But you didn't quit just because you didn't, because you left. When, you're, when you walked out the door and everybody else is walking out at 5 o'clock, your boss isn't thinking, well, they just get up and quit? What? What's the problem? You can't just quit. No, they didn't think that. Cause why? Because you're going to be back tomorrow because it's a part of your routine. And so what he's saying in pray without ceasing is make it so much a part of your routine that you always pick it up. It's a part of your lifestyle is what he's saying. And so in our prayers, yes, we can pray in the car. And yes, we can uh, pray real quick over a particular thing. But we need to have prayer lives. We need to be people that find time to pray. And I'm just going to tell you, you've got to make time for it. It doesn't just pop up and say, oh, it's prayer time. We've all been there at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't pray today. I haven't prayed this week. I haven't prayed this month. I haven't really prayed. No, I've talked to God about problems that that I'm having. But have I really just prayed, communicated with my Father? You know you wouldn't like if your spouse just only came to you when there was a problem. But they never talked to you when things were going good. No, God wants us to communicate with Him and have a dialogue with Him no matter what we're going through. Amen? And so it's part of the relationship. And so when we're in those times of prayer, this is when this gets incorporated. And so there's some things we want to look at. First off, he identifies our Father. Our Father. Now he could have said so many other words here. He could have identified so many other positions. He's the King. He's Lord. He's Jehovah. He's Yahweh. But he starts out with our Father. Before he identifies any type of diplomatic position, he first reveals his paternal position. He's my daddy. Now, what do daddies do? Dads take care of families. Dads are the source. This is where life comes from. In this, he's saying, I am your father, so everything I have is yours And I am going to take care of you. I'm your father. Secondly, by directly stating I'm your father, he's indirectly stating you're my child. The second you say our father, you are saying I'm in the family. You're identifying I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter. Now, you know, all the other positions stem from him being father. You know, when, when, when we come to church and Camden doesn't, you know, come in here and call me Pastor Mark. But I'm his pastor. Now, sometimes if he hears enough people call me that, he'll just pick up and say, he'll just fall right in line. And I'll be like, excuse me? <laughs> but in essence, I'm his pastor. 
but it never trumps I'm his dad. See, he's king, but that just means that the king is my daddy. He's Lord, but that just means that the Lord is my father. I'm related to in covenant with my daddy, with the king of kings, with the Lord of lords. He's my father. Next, we see, and you've got to understand that being a child of God comes with rights and privileges. It comes with rights and privileges. Now, sometimes, you know, people don't like that when, you know, the child maybe gets a little better treatment because the person in the position is their father. You know who hates the fact that you are the son of God and a daughter of God? The devil hates it. He cringes. You know that feeling where you feel like someone else is getting special treatment? You get special treatment, and the devil hates it because he's not in the family. There's things that he can't do to you because you're covered by the blood. You're in covenant with someone. Amen. There's rights and privileges that come with being in the family. Next, he points out, our Father in heaven. In heaven. Now, that's interesting to point out because we know this about God. He's omniscient. That means he's everywhere all the time. So, to give God a location is an interesting step here. Our Father who is in heaven. But what is he identifying? He's identifying where God rules from. In essence, he's saying this, heaven is the source of everything God has. Our father, my father, is in a place that has a limitless supply. No matter what I need, I have access to it. Our father in heaven. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says it this way. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Where? In the heavenly places. Why is this important? Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Notice that God's position in heaven places him above everything else. See, sometimes we get carried away with the fact that God is right here with us, and so we think that he's walking through our problem with us, and so he doesn't know what's coming up, and, and he's dealing with the same thing we're dealing with. But you've got to remember, he has a different source. He's in heaven, so he has access to all of heaven, and he makes that available to you. Far above all principality. So anything that's coming against you, he's above it. Your father is above it. And the exciting thing is if you go on down to this, look in verse 23 or verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. That's you and I, the body, the fullness of him who fills all in I. All in all, you and I are in the body seated with the father. In heaven, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, you go on in the next chapter, tells us that we are seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. 
So our Father who's not in the earth struggling with everything we're struggling with, our Father who is in heaven above all the mess that we're in and knows how to get us out of it. You know, when you're above something, you get a different perspective. Eagles have the most phenomenal vision. And that's because they fly higher than any other bird. They can see everything. It's a different perspective when you're on the outside looking in. It's a different perspective when you're up high looking down. And what we see in the middle of the trial, God sees beyond the trial. Our Father in heaven. That's where God is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. Holy is your name. Your name. Your name. The name gives us access to everything that God is and everything that God has. See, it's no good to us if God has everything but isn't willing to give us access to it. But that name gives us the access. In the Old Testament, God had seven divine names. Our provider, our healer, you know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. I mean, there's seven different divine names that he has. But it's not until the New Testament that he unveils the name of Jesus that encompasses all of those names in one. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 9 says, Therefore God has also, exi- uh, also has highly exalted him and given him the what? The name which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. The name of Jesus is the name that gives us access in prayer to everything we're believing for. In, in, in essence, the name, when you mention the name, that tells God they deserve to get it. They get access to it. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. That's why we don't just use that name however we want. We use the name in a holy way because we know this is the key that unlocks what we're believing God for. The name of Jesus. Our Father. Who is in heaven? How would be your name? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is his rule and his reign. In prayer, we have to identify that we are submitting to God's rule and God's reign in our lives. Your kingdom come. I submit to your way. I submit to your way of doing things. I submit to the way that uh, the way that you put in front of me to get out of this situation. And I submit to your way to see this thing come to pass in my life. I submit to you and I submit to your will and I submit to your way. I submit to your kingdom because kingdoms come with principles and standards. So we're saying your way of doing things come. Your way of living come. Your way of accessing things.
come, your kingdom come, your will be done. That means you lay down yours. Prayer is where you take up God's will and you lay down your will. Prayer doesn't get results when we still decide to do our own thing. We've got to understand this. Prayer doesn't get results when we still want to live the way we want to live and do things the way we want to do it and, and try to answer our own prayers, try to meet our own needs. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I also want to flip it on this side. When you're saying your kingdom come, your rule, your reign, that means you're saying the devil's reign over my life no longer has a hold on me. If you give access to God's rule in your life, the devil has no access to rule in your life. That's exciting. Why? Because his kingdom trumps darkness. Light always wins. It can't ever get so dark that you turn off the light. And when you let the light in, that darkness has to go. It has to flee. And when we submit to God's rule, the devil's rule has no place in our lives. His control, his, his way of doing things, his standards, his way of living no longer has, is no longer a principle in our life. We submit ourselves to God's way of doing things. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. I opened with this. Prayer is how we change the earth to look like heaven. Our prayers, no matter what we're praying for, no, no, no matter what we're believing God for, you are wanting heaven to intervene in your life. You want heaven on earth. You actually you go uh, further down. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And he says that you are the rock, and on the rock I will build my church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you need to access heaven to accomplish your purpose in the earth. You've got to get access to heaven. Heaven has everything you need. Heaven has all the healing you need. Heaven has all the prosperity you need. Heaven has all the joy that you need. Heaven has all the peace that you need. Heaven has all the love that you need. And so you've got to access heaven and get it into the earth. And prayer is how we do that. Prayer, in, in a sense, is the mode of transportation to get heaven into the earth. Heaven hops inside of prayer and rides all the way down to earth and changes what this looks like. We've got to pray. God cannot operate in our lives without prayer. God cannot operate in our lives without prayer. God's not going to override your inability to go to Him about a situation. He has all the desire to help you. He has all the desire to change where you're at. He has all the desire to bring healing and to bring prosperity and to bring peace and to bring joy and all the things that we believe in God. He has all the desire to, to, to bring your family into the kingdom. But unless we pray, 
unless there are prayers offered up, there's no vehicle to transport heaven into the earth. Jesus went on with with Peter over there in Matthew chapter 16, and he said, uh, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. You've got to do it here before he can release it there. We've got to make it happen in this realm before God can make it happen in the spiritual realm. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is where a lot of us become discouraged. We pray too far out. What I mean by that is God is obligated by his word to take care of you 24 hours at a time. And we get discouraged in our prayers, number one, because we don't realize that we receive when we pray. The moment you pray, you've already received. If you pray for healing, you have received the healing, regardless of what your body is telling you. This day, give us this day our daily bread. But we start getting discouraged about things that haven't happened yet. We start getting discouraged about things that we haven't seen yet when God says, I'm taking care of you today. Further on down in this chapter, verse 33 tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Verse 34 tells us, Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says, don't even give thought to the next 24 hours. If you're thinking 25 hours ahead, you're too far. God said, I'm taking care of you today. Give us this day our daily bread. This also identifies that God is the source of our daily bread. Give us. You're asking him to give you your daily bread. What is daily bread? That simply means, what do I need to live off of today? Well, I don't have $5,000 in the, in the savings. I, 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 I got to have that cushion. I got to have that, that, that rainy day fund. Well, God says, I'm going to give you daily bread. My trust isn't in a bank account. My trust isn't in a 401k. My trust isn't in a CD. My trust isn't, isn't in a, 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 a savings account and high house, you know, the stock market. My, my trust is in God. That's where my daily bread comes from. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. As we. That means it's relative to how we forgive. Notice that my relationship with the Father is directly related with my relationship with others. See, we want to remove that part out of the equation. This is just between me and God. But my relationship with the Father and what I receive from the Father is directly related to how I treat and, and, and what type of relationship I'm in with someone else. If I refuse to forgive someone horizontally, I won't be forgiven vertically. This relationship is hindered 
if I'm not taking care of these relationships. Mark 11, chapter 25. Mark 11, chapter 22, 23, and 24 are the verses that we love. Say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Whatever you say, you'll get. Believe that you receive when you pray. But look what verse 25 says. And when you stand praying, all that good faith, mountain-moving stuff, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Wall still standing. (laughs) Look at verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you yours. Forgiveness is key, guys. Our relationships on earth affect our relationship with the Father. Our communication on earth affects our communication with God. You can be in faith all you want. You can be standing and believing all you want. But if you're holding a grudge, you got bitterness, you got resentment, or you just got unforgiveness wielded in your heart towards someone else, it will hinder your prayer life. Period. We have to clear it up. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, Jesus told a parable about a man that owed the king a great deal, millions of dollars. The king forgave him of his debt and said, it's cleared, you owe me nothing, go your way. And the man goes out and he finds some guys that owe him like a thousand. And he goes and he beats them up and has them thrown in jail. Well, the king finds out about it. Didn't sit very well with the king. Why? Because if he's taking the time to forgive us, we have to take the time to forgive others. Amen. He's forgiven us of far too great to hold unforgiveness towards someone else. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. God will never lead you into temptation. Temptations are around us because we're in the world but not of it. So there's always a temptation to do something we shouldn't do. Part of our prayer is to not fall away and go after, be tempted to go after a worldly way of doing something. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yours is the kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's your power. It's your glory. Now we're closing by recognizing that the result of our prayers comes because of who he is. Because it's His kingdom. It's His power. It's His glory operating in our lives. We are delivered from the evil one because His kingdom is greater. We're delivered from, what the, the, from the tests and the trials that come against us because of His glory and His power that r- delivers us from those things. See, you've you got to end your prayer 
in such a way that when you're done praying, we don't resort back to disbelief. When I complete my prayer, I don't need to fall back into doubt and unbelief again. I need to pray in such a way that I am constantly reminded that the prayer will come to pass because His is the kingdom and His is the power and His is the glory. I'm delivered from the evil one. He's not going to lead me into temptation. He's not going to put me in, in, a way, in, a, in a place that's going to get me off track. That's not the God that I serve. When I know that, there's no doubt in my mind that you know, God's not putting sickness on me to teach me a lesson. You know, I mean, if that's what God was doing, then Jesus was in direct disobedience of his father. Because he healed everybody. He was undoing God sitting up in heaven and saying, whoa, slow down, man. I'm trying to teach him a lesson. Great, now he's not going to learn. He's not going to be able to trust in me. Going, on, going down there and healing lepers and raising dead people. Trying to show them who I am. Hello. That's not God. That's not God. He doesn't lead you into temptation. You're in the temptation because you're in the world. But just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because the temptation is around me doesn't mean I have to fall away. And go towards that. No, he is the deliverer. He has delivered me from the evil one. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. Prayer is such a powerful thing. We, 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 we don't understand all that there is. We don't understand all that encompasses prayer. But I can promise you, the more you do it, And the more you stick to it, you'll see the results. You'll see God move in your life as a result of prayer. You'll see. You you know that you've seen God do some stuff in your life through prayer. You know that. There's some stuff that God's done in your life as a result of somebody else's prayer. It may have been your mama's prayer. It may have been your brother or your sister's prayer. You You weren't even in the picture. That's how powerful prayer is. Prayer moves God. Prayer causes God to move on our behalf. Prayer causes God to bring heaven into this realm to change the situations. And look, guys, as much as we want to to remove ourselves out of the equation, we are in the equation. The prayer formula, the most important ingredient in the prayer formula is you. Without prayer, God cannot operate in our lives. Without prayer, we cannot see heaven on earth. And heaven on earth, that's the whole reason why we're here. Heaven on earth, that's the whole purpose and assignment to our life. The, the stuff that we're in, the, the things that we live in. You hear me say it all the time. You are anointed for the mess. The messes that you're in need your prayers so they can change. And not a prayer that just tells God all the problems you're in. 
a prayer that tells God, I need you to move in my life. This is beyond me. This is greater than me. But I know that through prayer, in your name, by faith, I can see you act on my behalf. And he wants to. He wants to. Father, we thank you tonight for this wonderful opportunity you have given us. Look, you, you could have been a God that just sat up in heaven and, and just said, look, if, if I want you blessed, I'll bless you. And if, if I want you healed, I'll, I'll, I'll heal you on my own terms. But no, you said it's in your court. You pray. You ask. You come to me and I will do it. You gave us your word on that. We know that if we pray in the name of Jesus by faith, you will operate on our behalf. And Father, we're so thankful. Forgive us for taking this for granted. Forgive us for not making full use of our prayer life. And Father, I thank you that we give attention to our prayers. We give attention to our times of prayer. We give attention to what we're praying for. And we know this, that when we pray, you hear us. You said, make your petitions known. There's things that we need. There's things that we're believing for. There's things we're trying to come out of. There's things we need to get into. There's things we need access to in our lives. Father, we thank you that by prayer, we see these things take place in our life. We thank you for this tonight. We thank you for your word and that it will come to pass in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.